You're listening to English with Monty, the podcast about the English language. Today is 8-Minute English, talking about how to use modifiers, part 2. Hello there, this is 8-Minute English. We're talking about modifiers again in the second part. In the first part, we talked about adjective order, misplaced modifiers and dangling modifiers. Definitely check that out first of all if you get chance. So here we go with Jules and part two. It's gone through a few different ones here. So you've got four different ones. Adjective modifiers, adverb modifiers, phrase modifiers and clause modifiers. And then again, it's just given a quick example. For you with the adjective modifiers, did you ever find those a problem at all? Sometimes, yes. It depends on um, how maybe I, I think of the word. Um, in, in this example, the grammar is there's nothing like a chocolate cone of ice cream on a hot day. You know, I think it depends on which language you're native of, but maybe I would think of a cone of ice cream as a singular unit. So I probably make this mistake when I was starting learning English because I would put chocolate right before what I thought was a yeah. unit. Learning how to separate words and adjectives, that's pretty important. Yeah. It is, isn't it? The first one, it's like the cone is made of chocolate. That's not what we want to express. There's nothing like a cone of chocolate ice cream. We're talking about the ice cream being like that. Yes, I think also adverbs are um, sticky points in grammar for uh, non-native speakers, as in like a difficult... Something that's quite tricky, definitely. I think these are always quite tricky, aren't they? What about the adverb modifiers? Do you ever have any issues with those? I think in positioning correctly the adverb modifiers, it's also something that you either have to study a lot or absorb by real conversation of reading, because it changes widely like from language to language. So maybe you're used or using adverb modifiers in one way, in one position in the sentence. And then in English, it's completely different. Sometimes it also changes based on what verb you're using. Exactly, yeah. I mean, I suppose the main rule we've got to think about is just put things together, right? The adverb has to be next to the verb. Otherwise, we don't know what we're referring to. The example they have here, so this is incorrect. We glued together the vase, we broke quietly. So here, it's not referring to how you glued something. It's referring to how it broke. That would not be correct. I guess you can't really break things quietly. It's a bit strange. We quietly yeah. glued together the vase. We broke. So obviously here, you've got the adverb right next to the gluing aspect. And then phrase modifiers and clause modifiers are a bit different. Again, it's putting everything together, isn't it? Are you okay with these ones? We can still go through them. I think it's a nice review to have. To remember that you cannot separate the ideas. If you want to modify a noun then the phrase or clause have to be close to the thing that you're trying to modify. Because otherwise you get wild scenarios. I think it's a pretty nice exercise also to think about the different scenarios. Like here, the incorrect example that the page gives is my uncle had to see a doctor with indigestion. So of course now here the doctor has indigestion. If we switch the modifier to the correct position, then it's my uncle with indigestion had to see a doctor. So, of course, it makes much more sense. But it's also funny to imagine, like, a doctor with indigestion it helps you understand why something goes in a certain place and not in another one. 
definitely and i suppose they're quite straightforward in a way aren't they but at the same time as you say it's quite funny because obviously the doctor wouldn't have indigestion because that would be strange again it's just matching those up isn't it it doesn't really happen in italian does it maybe in other languages this happens a bit more i think in italian maybe it's a little bit freer where you can put do you think sometimes modifiers get put in a different position than they would in english yeah sometimes I'm trying to think like of this example in Italian. I think like it would be put in the same place. It would also be funny in Italian to say a doctor with indigestion to put it so far away from my uncle. It wouldn't happen, would it? I don't think in Italian. You wouldn't really come up with the same mistake. Let's move on to the final one. So it's clause modifiers. How would you describe a clause? So I think that the main difference between a phrase and a clause, a clause also has a verb in it. If there's a verb, then it's a clause. While in phrases don't have verbs, part of sentences that are with their own internal structure but with no verb, they refer to another verb. While clause have their own verb. Exactly, yeah. I guess that's the thing, isn't it? Often with the clause, you're going to separate it with a conjunction or a linking word, so and, while, but, yeah. things like that. Or if you're not going to connect the clauses, then you can connect them in that way i mean you can put a comma in between can't you yeah exactly sentences can be made up of several clauses or even just one it depends on how complex the sentence is often i would probably say three or four clauses maximum if you're writing of course (laughs) because otherwise it gets a bit crazy doesn't it i mean there are some occasions obviously where you can use a bit more depending on what you're trying to talk about if it's a list or something like that the example here they came up with, so this one is incorrect. So our food stayed in the bag while it was hot. And then the correct example is while it was hot, our food stayed in the bag. So you've got a comma after the hot and before our food. So obviously we're referring to the food being hot. There we go. That's about it, more or less, isn't it? I mean, was there anything else you wanted to add at all, Jules? No, I think that's mostly it. Just, you know, remember to think about the order you're using in your sentence and what you're trying to modify and where the modifier parts comes in. Just reflecting on it really helps understanding where it goes. It does, doesn't it? And just rereading it, reflecting on it, rereading it. And then even, I suppose, saying it out loud would help, wouldn't it? Saying out loud, you know, reading out loud. If you're writing something, when you read it out loud, you'll find out more and more, uh, maybe if you made mistakes, then you'll find them out by reading the text out loud. Definitely. There's one we missed out, actually. We also have a squinting modifier, which is another type of a misplaced modifier. So this modifier is unclear because it's placed in a way that makes it just as applicable to world before as it is to the one following it. For example, the kids who played at the playground sometimes bought ice cream. Emmy hoped when class was over, she could check her phone. With these sentences, moving the modifier around fixes any issues with clarity. Sometimes the kids who played at the playground bought ice cream. The kids who sometimes played at the playground bought ice cream. When class was over, Emmy hoped she could check her phone. Emmy hoped she could check her phone when class was over. So as you can hear, those final examples make things sound a bit clearer just by moving things around in terms of sometimes. This can really help clarify things in your writing. Thanks very much for helping out, Jules. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. You've been listening to 8 Minute English with Monty.